Hello and welcome. It's Josephine here and I'm so excited to have you here with Studio Biz and all that jazz. Today we're going to be talking about a very important topic and I'm and I'm interviewing the lovely Emma Houston who you'll get to meet really soon and I'm going to tell you all about her in just a moment. But we are talking about that contract-averse employee debate and it's so important to get this right when we're hiring teachers and staff in our studio businesses because Firstly, we want to make sure that we're safeguarding and protecting our business, but also ourselves as the employer. We also want to do the right thing by the people we employ and get it right. Uh, now, I met Emma a few years ago through the Ausmanpreneur Network. She was running a masterclass online, fell in love with her. I just love the way she did business. I love the way she delivered her masterclass. It was in a way that anyone could understand and we know as creatives yeah, we have to deal with, um, you know, legalities and the business side of things as well, but we are creatives at heart. And so to be able to have a conversation with a lawyer and really understand exactly what's happening is so important. We want to make sure that when we do have these agreements in place with our teachers as well, that these are the, that the language can be understood from both parties. So that's the sort of thing that um, I think is really important and really valuable. And since meeting her a few years ago, uh, she did become my lawyer. And now we have a wonderful working relationship where we create collaboratively template contracts for studio owners. Uh, you know, there's a few of them, but for example, quite recently, we did create uh, a teacher contract for both employees and contractors for studio owners. And this is important because, you know, as we know, legal fees can be really expensive. So I created these templates with Emma to make sure that we were making these sorts of documents accessible to anyone who needs them within their business. And so we're going to have a chat about that today. But what we're really talking about is making sure that, you know, what to look out for when hiring, uh, what to look out for in a contract, making sure that you've got the right things in place and also understanding the difference between contractor versus employee because they're totally different, especially here in Australia. We want to make sure that we're getting that right. And, uh, yeah, that, and, and she's going to talk about, Emma's going to actually talk about the pitfalls that can happen when we don't get it right. Some of the things that she's seen through her, you know, decades of experience being in the legal profession. Now, Emma Houston uh, was a lawyer and she's no longer practicing because she did hang up, you know, what do they call it? It's not, it's not the Gavin. What do they call it? I don't know. What do lawyers use? I don't know. I'm in, I'm in the performing arts. Okay. <laughs> it's not a gavel. I think that's a judge in America. Who knows? Too many movies. Emma Houston is a legal template publisher and entrepreneur. She was named the 2018 Lawyers Weekly Thought Leader of the Year. Then later in 2019, she went on to win the Women in Law Awards. Then furthermore, more recently, she won the Osmanpreneur Award, Gold There, and the Women's Business School Excellence Award. Now, she she says she's been where you are and understands that awful feeling as you worry you'll never get another customer or client, you know, and, and worried that you're making the wrong moves. She left a secure, boring job to go out on her own and she understands that feeling because what she does in the legal profession of making templates and making, you know, law accessible is not necessarily the norm here. So, 
she's gone against the fold and she's really trying to um, break out of that, which I absolutely love. And she, and she's successfully done that as well. She also knows what it's like to feel small when people dismiss your work business as a hobby. Okay. Now away from the office, Emma is a mum to athletics, mad Oscar, human child. She calls him Barnaby, the naughty dashend and Polly, their small dog with short legs and a big attitude. They also have Violet, the rescue cat. So she loves her animals and she enjoys spending time with her husband, Ed and her son at the beach, reading and making earrings and other resin art. In fact, she's slightly obsessed with earrings and you can check out her earrings uh, at Cute Stuff by Law. So Cute Stuff by Law is actually one of our sponsors, which is lovely, uh, at the Studio Innovation Conference. So Emma owns Ready to Boss Legal, which is her legal service, and then Cute Stuff by Law, where she does all of these beautiful creative products. And I'm going to be giving away in our goodie bags at Studio Innovation Conference a pair of earrings handmade by Emma Houston. So not only is Emma a legal extraordinaire, she's also an earring maker. This is what makes her so unique. And and this is why I love her so much. And you're going to get to know her really soon. Uh, Yeah. So Studio Innovation Conference, Emma is one of our sponsors and she's also going to be giving a special uh, code there for everyone that attends to get 20% off her legal templates. Can't wait for you to meet her. Welcome to the show, Emma Houston. But first, let's bring you in with the intro. Hello and welcome to Studio Biz and All That Jazz. I'm your performing arts business coach and host, Josephine Lancuba. This show is designed to bring you inspiration, information and the instruments you need to create and grow the studio biz of your dreams. I will bring you a mix of solo episodes as well as interviews where I tap into the minds of industry experts. My career started as a performer over two decades ago. I later became a speaker, theatrical producer and talent manager, as well as having a successful teaching career in singing, drama and dance. Ten years into my professional journey, I became a mummer of two and with a baby on my hip, opened up my very own performing arts studio. From hardship and humble beginnings to four studio locations and a multi-six-figure performing arts biz, I know how to attract students and keep them coming back for more. And in the show, I will share with you my experiences to help you thrive and fast track your path to success. I know you have a spark inside of you with dreams and goals for the future. As your coach and mentor, I'm here to help you step into your limelight and be a cheerleader in your ear each and every week. So get ready to be entertained and inspired as we talk studio biz and all that jazz. Hello, wonderful Emma from Ready to Boss Legal. So excited to have you here on Studio Biz and All That Jazz. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Now, uh, I just want to give a little bit of a backstory here um, for everyone listening at home because I met Emma, yourself. Uh, We met through... I believe you were presenting for the Osmumpreneur Network back in the day and I came to one of your masterclasses and then I just got obsessed with you, I think. And then <laughs> and I started so following up, you yeah. <laughs> and then you became my solicitor, my lawyer, and then we started working together on beautiful, um, you know, templates and, and, and resources for my clients and it's just the list has gone on and on but 
Yeah, we met through through that by you presenting. So that's really, really cool. And uh, we've been connected ever since. So I would love everyone to know what exactly it is that you do, because, you know, I, I love what you do, but what you do is very different to what most solicitors and lawyers do like the way you operate your business is is quite unique in the yeah. in your space so we want to um yeah let's talk about that so so tell us about okay. a bit about yourself and your business so i um i was a practicing lawyer for 23 years or close to 23 years and um certainly from 2019 to sort of mid-2023, I ran a legal practice and a templates business alongside each other. And in July 2023, so very recently after filming this, I decided that, you know, the templates was getting the bigger impact, um, the the way I think the economy is going. It was a really great cost-effective way for people to be protected um, without maybe having to shell out $10,000 for a lawyer. So what we did, we made the switch to um, exclusively templates um, from July this year, which is really great because since then we've worked on putting some things together with your clients and I've got other people who we, we're working in certain industries and I've got more time to be able to just really nail that. So. It's really specific because you are dealing with dance and performing arts studios, for example. Mm. So we can really nail the issues rather than just a general, you know, there's a general employment agreement, off you go. Or yeah, totally. Kind of thing. Yeah. And I find this actually to be a point of conversation a lot in, you know, studio owner Facebook groups and whatnot. Um, people will say, oh, you know, sh- show me your, your employment, con- like anyone got an employment contract mm-hmm. they can share or, you know, how should I do this or, hey, I didn't protect myself and now this bad thing is happening to me or whatever. Um, what I find, and this is the beauty of creating industry-specific templates and something we've been working on together for, for my industry is that, you know, it is specific to industry and it is so important because, I find that when you do get these generics, um, it doesn't really cover the little the little pieces of our of our industry that are so unique to us. And so I love that you're doing this. And you work a lot with creative business, like all types, like graphic designers and all sorts of industries, right? So, and and it's interesting too because even your name. I mean, if anyone goes and checks out Emma's website or whatever it's seriously it's like no no lawyer you've ever seen before you're gonna see leopard print glitter confetti like it's not normal and I love that (laughs) and I do have a side hustle which is my creative outlet which is sort of resin and clay sort of earrings and other types of art sort of um homewares wearing your earrings by the way yeah yeah I've got some on too (laughs) yeah I love them so much and so, yeah, I find that, that that's really awesome. Um, and so what was it like transitioning from traditional lawyer to this more at-home service and remote service? Because you used to be called the remote expert. Yes. Is that, and then you, ha- right. you had the tracksuit economy, which I thought was a hilarious name and, you yeah. know, all the things. So how did you go from being in a corporate environment to then running this, this you know, 
um, self-managed, at-home, creative-style um, legal business? So I, um, when I had my son in 2012, we were actually living in Sydney. It was pretty full-on childcare, you know, the to and from the office and just, yeah, we were looking at houses. And in 2012, we thought, oh, the houses are too expensive in Sydney. You know, 11 years later, they're oh my goodness. way more expensive. Um, but we made the move when my son was about 18 months old because where did we you mention to? Just uh, we moved to far north New South Wales. So we, we now live in Ballina, which is near uh, Byron Bay for anyone listening. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is really great. So I work from home. And, and as part of that, the first few years, I actually worked for another firm based in Sydney, but wholly remote, which is where I wrote a book called The Tracksuit Economy. And that was about working from home productively and effectively. And I wrote that in 2018. And then COVID hit two years later. And now everyone does it. So it's kind of, it's had its day. It was thought leader-ish at the time, but it's um, it's had its day now. And I think it's a more of a normal situation. In fact, there's a bit of a backlash. But for me, that just, I could see what was possible working remotely and that what I could do in my own business and have that freedom to be a creative as well, because I'm pretty miserable when I don't get to create. That's that's sort of my relaxation. Um, and even my templates and my whips, you know, that's all a bit of a creative bent for me as well um, mm. in terms of doing that, not just, you know, do, sitting in an office doing conveyancing or writing wills or that kind of thing. Um, so for me, it's really about being happy with what I'm doing and helping people like me, people in small, women in small business, which are most of our clients. Yeah. It's so funny because when I first told my husband I was getting legal advice from a lady up in Byron Bay who works remotely and um, makes earrings <laughs> on the side, he's like, who are you talking to? Who, who is this hack woman that you're, I'm like, no, trust me, she's really good at what she does. She just does it differently. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, just, just, it's all good. Okay. And, and I think yeah. that you're right, that the, the conversation around that tracksuit economy and the working from mm. home has really changed. So a couple of years ago when I was having that conversation with my husband, it was so weird and different. And now it's just like, oh, of course she's working remotely. Like everybody mm. does that, you know? And so it's just, that's a really interesting shift. Um, I wanted to have you on today's show because I feel like even though this like legal sounds really dry to anyone in a creative business or, you know, and for our listeners who are studio owners predominantly and, and in the performing arts, sometimes the legal side of things can be an afterthought and it usually is only a thought when something goes wrong. So my thought was that I I've been doing this very differently to when I first started a decade ago, you know, I didn't have an employ I didn't have employment contracts, you know, people could do whatever they wanted. It was a free for all and then when she hit the fan, I basically was like, "Oh no, how do I manage this and there's no strategy in place, there's no conversation that's been had, there's no expectations on the table." Um, so I want to talk about that because I am in a position where I'm coaching my clients, um, my, my studio owner clients, 
about how to protect themselves and prevent these sorts of situations. And you can't prevent everything, I know, but at least we can have expectations on the table. How important is that? Like setting expectations and and having agreements in place before you even get started working with someone or having them work for you? I think it's really important because you you need to think, well, they're working for me, but are they an employee? Are they a contractor? Do they actually know, do they think the same thing I think they're doing? Mm. So you need that expectation and the boundary to be really clear because if you don't have a clear boundary, they might think you're going to hire them for 30 hours a week when it's three hours a week. They might think you're going to pay them a different pay rate and then they get their first pay and there's a dispute they might think well I'm just going to work here and I'm going to um, get some money and I'm going to meet all these new students and parents and then I'm just going to go and open my own studio in the same suburb and I'm going to take all these people with me that's a great way to get to know people but if they had a contract and they knew that they actually weren't allowed to take um your students and they weren't allowed to take your other staff members to go up and start a rival studio choreography that they've created for example you know that they can't reuse that in another studio like people make a lot of assumptions you know and if you haven't and and it's probably fair enough because if you didn't tell Hmm. them they can't do it and they might not you know it might not even be malicious sometimes it would be but other times it might just be yeah i'm just going to do this thing um, yes. And yeah. these are these are these are conversations that need to be had. And um I think that you're right that it's not necessarily malicious. I think that like sometimes you'll see um you know studio owners up in arms in these in these community groups online. Oh, I can't believe they did they just used our routine the routine they created for our competition kids and used it at the other school. Mm. But unless they were told, you we can't make assumptions and mm. and we can all say, oh, it's common sense. Isn't that common sense? And I always say, I actually don't think there's any such thing as common sense when it comes to um, this sort of, you know, assuming what our employees our employees should or shouldn't know. We have to make it really clear. So um, how, how do people go about that? So you need, um, you need to document each step of the whole hiring process Mm. so first of all you know the first thing would be well I'm looking for a teacher and even if you know someone and you approach them it's a good idea just to have everything in writing and I don't mean you have to sit down and write really formal letters but you can send you know I'm going to if you have a call put it in an email um yes let's have a chat and we're going to talk at one o'clock on Tuesday or um I want to offer you a job. These are the key points. I'll get a contract to you. And then the contract sets it out. And, you know, I mentioned before there's a difference between employee and contractor, but even an employee, there's a difference between casual and permanent um, employees. So there's all these different areas. You've got to think about that and superannuation and, um, you know, they might think that you're going to pay them their travel or something like that when you're, you're not. Mm, so just things happens. like... They'll be like, the, oh, yeah. you want me to 
go to this particular event. Well, I, I require this amount of money. It's like, oh, but that's only a 30-minute trip. So that doesn't make sense. And again, it, it's the assumption that we've, we've made no rules, basically. We've set no expectations. So having that in writing is so important. You mentioned um, employee versus contractor. Um, I'd love to talk about that because I think that's a really interesting area where people get super confused. And I would like to also clarify, most of our audience listening is from Australia. We do have some international, so I'm not sure if this applies to them and if you can just be clear about that or not. But when we talk about employee versus contractor, what, what exactly do you mean by that? So, and this is for Australia, um, yep. you know, and other countries might have similar type arrangements, but they're very much based on tax laws and things. So what I'm talking about is for Australia um, here when we talk. So, you know, I, and I think we're moving in our economy towards more a contractor or gig. People would hear the term gig economy. And when they say gig economy, it's usually a freelancer or a contractor. And there's been a few cases about Deliveroo and Uber Eats delivery drivers, whether they're contractors or employees. And um, that those cases have gone to court and they've actually set down some pretty, you know, firm things that the, that the courts decided then becomes law. And in Australia, we also have the Australian Taxation Office or the ATO, which sets down, they've got a test. And there's actually a decision tool on the ATO website. And they've got six main things they look at when they work out, is someone an employee or a contractor? Because often it's really borderline. And Mm. people tend to think contractors are better because you can just pay them and they have to pay their own super and off they go and they've got their own insurance and they're just not a worry. And that's why a lot of people hire VAs, for example. Um, but it, the law's not quite that simple. There's this, there's six points in this test, which we'll chat about in a minute. And there's also something called the superannuation guarantee if it relates to personal labour which, you know, teaching someone in a studio is personal, very much personal labour, then um, you might still have to pay your contractor superannuation, even if they are a contractor. For superannuation purposes, they're treated as an employee. And that's now 11.5%. So it's quite, quite high. Um, So just bear in mind that because you could have a contractor and then get in trouble with the ATO, you could get fined for what they call sham contracting. So, well, actually, you're just saying this person's a contractor to get out of paying super and tax and all these things, but you're going to be fined and then you're going to back pay them all your annual leave, all of this. The, the biggest case that we've seen, and it's in the mining industry, um, was about 20 years worth of back pay and entitlements and long service 20 services. years was about $250,000 worth of stuff. This guy, just for 20 years, he'd been working as a contractor when he really was an employee when you looked at that test. So Mm. it's worthwhile doing. And honestly, I think with the superannuation guarantee, the personal labour, I think most contractors should be paying superannuation. Most don't. And 
you know, it's really a matter of, I suppose, if you get caught and what the tax office thinks, but that's something to be really wary of and chat to your accountant about. Um, and then, so I think let's look at the test because it's actually really important to work out first up, is it a contractor, is it an employee? Because the type of agreement you would then use is different. So we're going to look at six things. And the first one is um, a contractor can choose how and where the work is done. And whereas an employee is controlled by the employer and they're told where and when to do the work. So you might say, well, I'm having dance classes at three o'clock on Tuesday. You can come and teach them at my studio. And the contractor could go, well, no, actually, four o'clock on Thursday suits me better and I'm just going to teach them from my own garage. And if they were a true contractor, they could make that call, they could make that decision, they could reschedule classes each week with the students at their own discretion um, without the employer doing it. But instead, if, if you need them there at 3 o'clock on Tuesday and they will be teaching jazz or tap or, or, or hip-hop or whatever you wanted them, that, that is more, that's a tick towards the employee side. Um, the second part is being paid for outcomes so, or um, for a contractor. So you might be paid for, you know, you must come first in this Stedford and then you'll get a bonus or your pay. Whereas an employee is paid for time or an item. So paid by the hour, for example. The third thing we look at is can they delegate or subcontract out or must they do the work personally? So if you have a studio, Joe, and you hire me as a dance teacher, could I just say, oh, no, my husband can go in and teach that class? Or do I have to go and do it personally? Mostly it is personal, unless you had, say, someone who they agreed as it was a backup. Um, the next thing, a contractor provides their own tools or equipment, whereas an employee um, has the tools or equipment provided by the employer. So. That could be the dance studio, um, it could be choreography, it could Speakers, be... music. Costumes. What about music. uniform and stuff like that? Yeah, well, if you require someone to wear a uniform, it's very much on the employee side of things mm. um, because you're telling them how they should look, how they should present. A contractor is always, you know, if they work for you, then they're always allowed to say wear their own uniform make it clear that then they're, they're sort of working with them but they've got their own business they're not actually part of this business mm. and the big the next well the last thing we're going to chat about is where if risk if things go pear-shaped a contractor would have their own insurance if a kid broke their leg doing dance class then they they would be you know liable and their insurance would cover it whereas um you know the employer would take on that risk if if, say, at a dance studio, you'd have your public liability in your space and yeah. um, your employee did it, then you would be liable yeah. um, as their employer. And so what if, um, and now I, I, I know there's some fearful studio owners now listening to that. <laughs> I just scared them all. <laughs> you just scared the entire audience. <laughs> uh, no, and this is the thing. We can't bury our head in the sand, okay? Um, we have to acknowledge what is. And this is real 
And I think this was why I made the shift to um, having employees a, a few years ago um, from contractors. Um, once I was made aware that maybe uh, things, you know, were leaning towards the employee side, I, I went and spoke to, you know, I, I gave a call to the ATO, had a conversation. I, went, I, I called Fair Trading. I had a chat to my accountant and everyone was saying the same thing. That really sounds like an employee to me. And I thought, right, I've got to fix this. Because the last thing you want to do is be in the position where you're back paying. And it's a risk, isn't it? Oh, it's a risk. That a plus fines on top of that. Um, back paying super, back paying annual leave, back paying all these things. And when you sit down and do the sums, and, and I myself, I had a contractor when I first started this business, had a contractor had a VA and I've since moved to employees. My my assistants are part-time employee. Mm. So because of this, and, and I don't think it costs that much more. People think contractors do charge a lot more because it's all, all in. You don't have to pay these extra things. But I think you do, if you sat down and did the sums, I actually think you're paying them anyway rather than looking at, oh, well, I do this and I pay some money as, superannuation and so it, I think it all washes out so I would actually suggest do this test but also sit down and do the sums and go oh hang on what am I yes and I this doing? is true because my contractors before I moved over to employees and I went on what is the fitness industry award mm -hmm. here in New South mm -hmm. Wales anyway um, I'm not sure what the awards are around the country mm -hmm. but for New South Wales oh, that's no, that's that's for everywhere. Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's a national award for Australia. Yeah, so great. So that's the national award that we're on. And I, and I believe it's really the only one that's available for this specific industry anyway. Um, but when we moved over to that, and some people, you know, get paid above award, that's the way it goes, but then that's a negotiated thing. But really, I, I actually um, saved so much money in moving to having employees but then I also then paid the super and a few bits of extras as well so it it, it does balance out you know mm -hmm. I prefer having employees than contractors because I feel like uh they have more stake in my business because they're a part of it and they you know I provide them with training and all that's the other bit with contractors you know to have mandatory training sessions that that's not that's not a contractor. That would be an employee. You can't yeah. mandate that they and make it compulsory that they attend X amount of hours per month or year in training. Um, and, things like that. And even with a contractor, you can't even tell them to you know do this routine. They could just make up their own routine. You you can't even say, oh, actually, we're all rehearsing this for this concert we're in. We, let's do this or let's use these songs. That that. The fact that they're a contractor means they can just choose to do whatever they want. That's right. I mean, for example, I've got um, a costume director who's a contractor and they are legitimately a contractor. When I go to them about costume fittings, she tells me what she's available for. It's not the I don't say you have to come that day or forget it. It's, well, no, Joe. actually, I can't do that day. Hey, I am available these hours. Can you make that work? And I have to bend to that because I want her to do the service and she's the contractor and that's when she's available and that's the end of it. So, you know, um, I do think that you can have a nice, beautiful hybrid situation where there's some people that are contractors and others that are um, employees. 
I do have my teachers as employees, but this is a conversation for your accountant as well and, and for those around you that are supporting you um, because I don't know what's best for your business. You need to speak to to your people. But what I do know is that if you're crossing the line, like you said, then you've got to do it right because you don't want to have that liability. And it's also just honestly, it's doing the wrong thing. Like once you're made aware of it, like if you're if you're unaware, okay, you're unaware. But once you're aware, you're actually doing the wrong thing by the person in your team, you know, and it's in their best interest to be paid correctly and fairly and have the rights of an employee if that's in fact what they are. So what's, oh, what's the, your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it's about you know, is your studio a really great place to work mm. or are they, it's a two-way street, it's got to be a good fit for both of you. And if someone's trying to get away with paying you the least Possible, which I get, it's it's pretty hairy out there at the moment. Oh, it's super hairy out there. Um, but it, but at it. least you know, with an employee, you can go. This is the wage that the award sets. Your clock category such and such under this fitness industry award, and there's no argument about. You know, you could then go. Well, that's the award. That's what I'm offering. Um, there, there's none of that commercial argument. You almost cut that out a bit. Um, and knowing someone knowing that well they're following the award that's a really great place to work if I thought um, you know my employer was underpaying me and then I'd be like well screw them I'm going to go and start my own business and I'm going to and you'd have no loyalty and when I look back there's you know one place for me over the 18 years I was employed by various people that just stands out as such a great place to work um and I have a lot of loyalty still to that place but the other few places I don't have the same loyalty to mm. so if you if you look at it that way um you know and you're building a, fa a family of employees and treating them well then then I think you know obviously you are going to have people go off and do their own thing but you're managing that expectation a lot better but by following the rules and letting people know you're following the rules and giving them confidence that you that's a great place to work to develop their professional skills if i applied for a job and they go yeah just come in and they didn't give me any training they didn't tell me what i should be doing that would be different to saying, well, here's the written contract. Oh, okay, this is my hourly rate. I'm going to get paid on Thursdays. It's going to my bank account. Um, if I'm sick, I've got to tell, the, you know, all of that kind of yeah. stuff. I would feel so much more secure as an employee. Yeah. And I think that goes if your employees are happy and secure, then they're going to do a better job as a teacher. It, it all just flows through into the culture and it totally it does. I think my um, studio culture super shifted for the better once everyone was an employee and we did a bit of a a, a, haul, a rehaul on how we operated as a team and and how we employed people. Um, also, and this is one of the things as well that, that I really wanted to share with everyone because we've created, you and I together, um, put together some beautiful templates around how um, to employ contractors. So 
I'll explain it better. We have a contractor template for teachers and we also have a teacher um, employee template that we've created. And I wanted to do this because, like I said in the beginning, the industry is, even though there's some standard, there's standard stuff that needs to be in these contracts, whether they're a contractor or an employee, that's first and foremost. But then there are other things that are very specific to the industry. And so when we were putting together these templates for studio owners to employ their teachers in any which way they do, whether that be contractor or as an employee, I wanted to be, I wanted to make sure that studio owners were super protected. And some of the points that we we've put in those templates is everything from, you know, um, protecting your intellectual property, your IP, and knowing who owns it. So if someone creates it, then who and that's owns like it? choreography. So who yeah. owns these routines? Who owns these costume designer or set design ideas? All this kind of stuff about so important the creative stuff that's in your head that becomes this amazing expression. Yeah, exactly. We've also talked about non compete um, and and how do we word that? We I call it a non compete clause. So just making sure that you know. When people do move on, or or however they move on, it's in a it's in a way that's aligned to how you know you can operate. So obviously it has to be legal. You can't say, well, you'll never work in this town again, right? You can't do that. Um, and I think there's there's two sides of the pendulum here that people do these non compete clause. Either one, they're ridiculous and unfair. Okay, so we need to operate in a fair and legal manner which is why contracts are important or, or, or having them drafted by a professional like yourself because it needs to be done in a way that, like I said, is fair and reasonable and legal. But on the other side of the pendulum, some people don't protect themselves at all. So they can just open up a studio, like leave you tomorrow, grab all your students and say, I'm opening up next door, bye. You know, so we don't want that either. So having these, these things that safeguard our business, safeguard our relationships too, like, I don't want people to, I want to be happy for people when they move on. Even if they go on to create their own studio and work, if it's done in a respectful manner and in line with the contractual agreement, I, I have no reason to be upset about that. Um, well, that can be a really collaborative way to do it. Like, oh, hey, I know I'm wanting to move on. I've developed this in my career. Um, I know that we've got this clause in the contract and you can still agree to move on and that person could teach you know a really niche area that you don't teach and you could actually work together so knowing that it's there it can help have that conversation it doesn't have to be about it and the type of work I do and the template work I do allows allows me to be preventative as in let's look we can't prevent everything in the world that's not possible but you know, let's just have that framework there to try and avoid problems. And if they do arise, then we've actually got something to help. So it's like if you're on a trapeze and you've got a safety net, then the contract's like the safety net. That totally. Set, you know, it can catch you and then you can readjust and sort that and, out. And also it saves you time in the long run and the overwhelm of it. Like I know, and this is on a different note, this just was, wasn't with a teacher. This was a few years ago with a business partner who was a friend. That was the first mistake. The second mistake was that um, we didn't have a, a contract in place. So when we parted, it was really icky. 
because now one's saying, well, I want this. No, but I want this, but I created that. No, I created that. And do you see? And then that started happening. And then we had to go seek, you know, legal advice and I had to get a solicitor involved and it ended up costing me thousands of dollars to resolve it, you know? And I just think this is so unavoidable. If only we'd had a contract in place, still people might try and get out of certain terms of the contract, but at least there was some sort of expectation on the table before we even got started, including our exit, you know? And and I just think if we can reduce the overwhelm, because it's already hard enough. Someone's moved on from your team, right? Let's say a teacher's moved on for whatever reason. It's already hard enough because now you've got to go and rehire someone. So that's a task. That's a job that we have to do as business owners. We have to make sure we've got the team, you know, the right team for the right job when we need them. But then to have to manage um, a potential um, conflict in addition to rehiring the right team member for your for your um, your studio, that's added stress we don't need, you know. So um, I just think if we can avoid it anyway or at least reduce the overwhelm because we have terms that we can fall back on because we can go, oh, wait a minute, um, just a reminder because I've had to do that actually. Um, one of my employees, one of my teachers moved on um, and it, it ended okay. It wasn't the best terms, wasn't the worst terms, but not the best terms. And then they wanted to use all of our the footage from our productions for their own performance um, for their own showreel and, you know, to, to showcase their choreography in the future. Now, I actually was able to fall back on the terms of our agreement. I copy and paste them back in the email going, look, no, just a reminder, if you, if you refer back to this point in your contract, the X, Y, Z, this is why you can't do that. And so that was the end of the conversation and she didn't dispute it after that. And it was an easy way to fall off this sort of what could have been a really horrible, ugly situation was just, well, look, these are the terms. Here's a reminder of those terms, you know, and I, I expect that you respect the terms of our agreement. And then they just went, yep, done. You know, it's a clean yeah. cut. Yeah, and it just gives you a bit of muscle to be able to step in and just have a bit of muscle there to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what and also just that boundary, like there's a contract. Yep, that's it. Oh, I'm, I feel safe. They're paying me my allowances if I'm entitled to them. Um, and then, yes, that I've got to respect the work hours and that I'm not allowed to you know, take all my students in my class and go and start up on my own. Are you a studio owner looking to contract teachers within your studio or employ teachers as employees within your studio biz? Are you wanting to safeguard your business with an agreement that protects you? Do you want to set clear expectations and healthy boundaries between you, your contractors and your staff? If so, you need to have a legal contract in place when you take on your teaching team. Gain the protection you need with my quality contract templates created by our expert lawyer. Plus, you can use these templates over and over again for each new teacher hire you make. So it's time now to reduce the overwhelm and feel confident when you take on new contractors 
and teaching team within your studio. To gain access to the amazing templates that are affordable and accessible now for you so you can start hiring, head to josephenglandcuba.com forward slash store and shop around. Enjoy the rest of the show. Now, the, the fact is that most creatives don't have contracts in place for a few reasons. Number one is because it's an afterthought. They're passionate about the art and they haven't even really thought about <laughs> the legal implications of, some, like, uh, of you know, going into an agreement. They haven't really thought about it. Number two is I think it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming for them to get started. And number three is they're concerned about the cost. Yeah. So, so can you talk me through how what you're doing is alleviating some of those um, pain points for for people wanting to get agreements in place but not knowing where to start or concerned about the process? Well, first of all, I mean, we've collaborated in terms of I've actually, and those conversations I had with you were invaluable about this is actually what the people on the call face are telling me are the problems. And then you're not a lawyer, so we looked at the contracts together and go, oh, I don't understand that. What does that mean? Yes. Um, and then we've actually gone and put um, a summary page on the front of the employment contract template, for example, um, and the, the other one as well, the contractor agreement with some pictures and a summary about, well, these are the key points. So if someone doesn't read, and you can't force someone, you might give someone an employment contract in your studio to sign, and they just sign it and return it and they don't read it. You can't make someone read it, but you can make it easier for them. And to know that it's industry specific rather than getting ChatGPT to draft your stuff or, you know, ChatGPT that's only trained to 2021 and doesn't know, you know, it just grabs stuff. It, it even makes up cases as a lawyer in the US found so knowing that that's done and that you then don't um you know have a oh that's five thousand dollars for those contracts from a lawyer because that's that is sadly what some lawyers do and that's part of why I set up this business because I don't think that's right I don't think a small business should have to fork that out no and so you're literally saving thousands of dollars when you get a template like you're talking about a couple of hundred dollars versus a couple of thousand dollars if you'd got it drafted and I love the point that you said about putting it in layman terms because I like when we were going over this process of creating the templates I actually said I don't understand that sentence and if I don't understand that sentence, my clients are not going to understand that sentence. So how can we reword that in a way that's still legal and, and it, it's appropriate, but makes sense? Because I want people to, like you said, you can't control it if they read it or not, but I want people to know that if they did read it through that they'd understand it, or at least that the studio owner understands it so they can explain it when they need to or they're requested to from their teachers and, and their team. Often- you know, an employee might not sign it and they'll read it and then they they will go to a lawyer with it when they want to leave and start their own business and then the lawyer will go, that's a non-compete clause. No, you can't do this, this and this. Mm-hmm. Because as lawyer, you know, in, in my life as a practising lawyer, um, I was asked to give advice on contracts and compete non-compete clauses and people would be planning their next steps but not want to breach their contract. 
um, or knowing what they could and couldn't do. So knowing that from the employee side of things, people do take it. And, and yeah, they might not read it till they want to get out of it, but mm. it's still there, isn't it? Absolutely. I also want to mention that sometimes people will Google free dance teacher contract, right, and then just get a template. What are the potential, like, pitfalls of that? Are there any risks associated to getting free templates online when you Google it? The first thing is you could actually be getting a US template or, you know, template from Scandinavia or something. So you might not know that it's binding in Australia could be the first thing. Or if you're in another country listening to this, it might not be binding in the country that you're in. Um, and, and the risk is you don't know if it does what it doesn't do because as a lawyer, I can read them and go, that's that's not right. But, you know, if you're not a lawyer, you just you go, yeah, it looks all right. Okay, I'm going to sign it. Let's do that. But you could find that it doesn't have things like your intellectual property protected, your choreography, your um, non-compete clauses, which which are the things that, you really do need to protect um, because the law and Fair Work Australia is really good if you've got questions about a contract for an employee or general kind of employee entitlements or awards. Um, and they're really, the law is quite good on that, but they don't go that further. You know, you have to rely on the contract to look at non-competes and things like that that are a little bit more advanced than your basic um, minimum wage for the award and things like that. Yeah, and also um, other areas which we haven't mentioned, you know, talking about, your, you know, making sure that they've got appropriate um, working with children's checks for their state and territory or country or whatever, um, you know, talking about social social media and how your, your staff should behave and um, how they are or are not allowed mm. to engage with your clients or students or minors online and all of this stuff that isn't necessarily found in your bleh, template there. Yeah, and that's the thing we did look at. Um, we've got specific, and it's called different things all around Australia. There's blue cards, there's working with children checks, there's um, ochre checks in the NT. So, but, but essentially it comes down to, you know, that person should have their clearance to work with children for whatever state department yeah. in their state or territory does. And it's really important to see that. And that should be a requirement for any job if working with children is part of it. Yeah. And that's an important note. If you walk away from anything from team, if you walk away with mm-hmm. one thing today, make sure, um, even if, you know, I hope you, you listen to this and you think, I really should revise the contracts I have or I should really get a contract if you don't have one. But at a bare minimum, making sure that the people you hire are, you know, able to work with children, regardless Mm. of where you're from, everywhere has their rules around this. Mm. And you just want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence and checking that as a bare minimum, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I think that social media is a really important. Are they online mm. playing Roblox with these kids or Minecraft? Or, totally. You know, or, or on social media. It's not just that, you know, and they're probably not on Facebook because that's like people my age are on Facebook and older. Um, they're, they're on TikTok and they're on, they're on games and other platforms like Discord. And, you know, is, is that 
really the right, the appropriate thing to to do. So, or do we want to limit them to commenting on um, the uh, the company's page, like you know, oh that was great, oh good work, you know, rather than yeah this really inappropriate level of um, relationship. And with a dance teacher, for example, of course they're going to get close to the kids. And they're going to get followed. That's the other bit. These mm. these kids, these students, no matter what age they are, they're going to find their teachers online and they're going to follow them. Mm. And, you know, not everyone has their account on private and I can't control that. I can't say you must have your personal account on private. I can't do that. I can recommend that I can, you know, let them know that that's going to happen and and maybe review the sort of image that they're portraying. It's up to them, of course, but mm. review that. But what we can talk about is engagement and, and if they're going to follow back. Mm. That's right. And, and some of them might be, you know, have their own dancing career and want to showcase that, which is fine. But then, yes, do they have then have a personal account that kids maybe don't follow you? And that's really an individual thing, but it's they're really good issues to be aware of. And I think just a general thing when you're doing reference checks, you say you're hiring someone, always do reference checks, but always check their socials as well mm. and and Google them. These are things you can do without cost for you. They're, they're just a bit of due diligence about, well, is this person right? Yeah, like the if, they're, if they're, you know... I, I always, I, I make a terrible, I, you probably wouldn't agree with this, so inappropriate, <laughs> but I make a terrible joke in my training session with teams. I say, look, I can't control what you put on social media, but just know that if you've got, oh, I shouldn't even say it. I might get in trouble. <laughs> Am I going to implicate myself? No. Um, like if you've got your tits out smoking a joint, like is that what you want your your mm. your 10-year-old student to see online? You can do that. But if you know that your little 10-year-olds and all the people they're following mm. you, just think about it. Is that what you want them to see? And if the answer is no, then you've answered your own question, you know. Um, so just thinking about that. But, again, look, there's only certain elements we can control. We can't control everything. But what we can say is how they engage with them. And the ability to maybe have that discussion without it being discriminatory, you know, and saying, oh, you're picking on me. And totally. having, you know, you've got to be at work drug and alcohol free, for example, if they were smoking that joint, are they coming to work high? Like you, you've got yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, you might smoke that joint. I'm not saying don't smoke the joint. What I'm saying is don't come into work on a joint. <laughs> yeah. And if you're listening right. in the States, and it's funny because we, uh, I was saying um, we we hit number 22 in Canada. That's not America. Oh, wow. But. In number 22 in Canada. It's North, North in America, I think they call it. <laughs> Whatever, I don't know. So thank you for listening, guys. I don't know. Is it is it legal to smoke joints over there? Maybe. I'm not sure. But In I some states, I think it is, but not all states. I think I it's legal here in Australia in Canberra or am I dreaming? Or you can grow. Yeah, personal use. Like personally, in Canberra and South Australia, I think they have more relaxed laws don't you think and this is such a tangent everyone but don't you think it's funny that Canberra is where our politicians you know mm. are housed and it's it's the whole thing that's that's where they they live and work and that's where you can smoke weed you yeah, know and buy all those fireworks it's a really unusual so, place. isn't that a weird one yeah anyway who knows 
Who knows, Emma? Look, before we go, I've just got a couple of questions um, to wrap up. This has been such a great conversation and such a necessary conversation. So everyone, I hope you've taken away something or feel inspired to to get protected. Um, And, you know, I've got a a couple of links in the show notes there of how you can get a hold of these templates and, and protect your business, whether you're employing a contractor or a teacher. And I'd love you to take advantage of that. And and they are also available on my store, which is josephinelandcuba.com forward slash store. So you can check it out there. But before we go, Emma, I'd love to know, and I, I love this question because I think success looks really different to everyone, but what does success look like to you? It looks like happiness and doing what I want when I want freedom. And for me, that's the freedom to run my business how I want to and um do what I need to with my family. We're we're off. I think I was saying to you before we started. We're off to Sydney on Thursday because my son's in state athletics, and just having being able to go. Well, I'm off for two days to do this, and that's okay. I can have templates going. The business can run without me for a you know a couple of days or a week, and that's great. So for me, that's successful. That and helping being able to impact so many people. Mm. Um, with what I do I love that you can go away and come back and the business hasn't burnt down do you have contractors or employees in in your business setup um I do I have now just one employee I do Mm. have a contract bookkeeper um which was the first and most important person I put on in the business because mine I'm not a numbers person Mm. um and that's so important but I have a part-time um, employee she works two hours a day four days a week so eight hours a week um, until we cease legal services earlier in the year I did have a part-time lawyer but she has moved on with my blessing to um, a really great firm so that that's been yeah that, but again part-time employees and I found that the employees were better in terms of team culture and Mm. that their kind of focus they were focused on this business instead of their own business which was the big difference I found totally when I had contractors previously yeah and you get that better outcome as well so who or what inspires you oh that's a that's a tricky one I think Honestly, everyday people inspire me, just just mm. going about their business, living how they want to live. I'm not a really big celebrity kind of person, but mm. I um I did actually watch the Wham documentary recently. And if you haven't on Netflix, go and watch it. It's um the second person to say that I've got to watch this Wham documentary. Actually, George Michael, it gave me shivers how talented George Michael because you know you knew all the songs I've, I've been a Wham fan but not and then Andrew Ridgely was just so gracious and if you want to see how to end a business partnership well then that's um that's why but also just the talent and the creativity that George Michael had was just amazing and I I said to my husband let's watch it I wasn't expecting to love it but it was actually really inspiring so that's Probably my most recent inspiring kind of moment that I've I love that, that you I've mentioned seen. that it was a business partnership. A lot of people don't view, you know, artistry as a business, but it so mm. is, you know. So 
Yeah, that's cool. I'm going to definitely check that out. I think someone else mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary to me. Um, and that's meant to be super inspiring too. So you get all these documentaries coming out. I love it. Um, so what's next, Emma? What have you got coming up in the pipeline? Um, in the pipeline, some more really industry specific templates um, for ready to boss legal, just digging in, adding more images to some of our existing templates. And in fact, fun fact, the the studio employment agreement and performing arts that was actually the first template we've got a hybrid where, where we've got images and words we do have another um, image one but thinking about how people consume information differently um, whether that's through sound visually or they read it um, my my son has dyslexia so that's really interesting for me to see how people want to do that and to give that more accessible nature. Yeah. And and for everyone listening, and we're going to pop a link in the show notes there, to, it's readytobosslegal.com. Um, and if you go to the shop there, um, so readytobosslegal.com forward slash shop, which again, we'll pop in the show notes. Um, anything you grab, not just um, the templates that I'm going to share with you in the notes um, in relation to employment, but anything you grab off Emma's uh website there in the shop if you use josephine langcuber 20 you will get 20 percent off and that's really cool so we've actually had clients using your site to get other things not so they'll, they'll hear about that temp one template or another our photography contractor template our talent manager template we've got a few and then they just head to your site and they're, and they're actually grabbing some really random stuff as well. Yeah, they? they are. Well, things that you would expect like website terms of use and privacy policies, that's been great. That's kind of, but then, yeah, random things like law firm startup kits that I have for lawyers. Yeah, so like, obviously you know, someone's way. into dance and law. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's great. And I think, you know, just knowing that they can go and shop online for legal, how cool is that? How cool yeah. is that, that you're not spending $5,000 or even $3,000, $2,000 every time you want a contract in place and you want to protect yourself? You don't have to have that barrier to entry anymore. You can go to Emma's website and you can grab a template and you can use our code and get 20% off anything you like, which we love. But um, all right, thank you so much for today. Um, is there anywhere else they can find you? They can find you on socials as well. Where would they yeah. if they wanted to connect with so you? So Instagram, Ready to Boss Legal, and Facebook the same. They're probably, I am on LinkedIn, but I don't love LinkedIn, and I imagine a lot of dance to you. I'm on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, and I don't love LinkedIn either. Um, so, yeah, I so try. Instagram's. But Instagram's my favourite. I haven't tackled TikTok yet. Um, Instagram's my favourite. I like the visual nature and I've I've sort of got an, an account for my earrings and cute stuff by law is my, my fun account um, as well, which is all my craft creations. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a look. Yay. There's some of I'm showing oh, you right. for anyone that's watching, <laughs> although most of it's audio, but that's okay. Some of you watching got the earrings there um emma is a beautiful sponsor of studio innovation conference which we have coming up september but i just wanted to say thank you so much for being on the show and yeah i mean we're going to continue we're going to continue working together and i'm just so excited to be able to support my community in legals and in business so yeah thank you for for helping me do that that's awesome oh you're welcome it's it's great like my 
son is in athletics, but I have a lot of friends with girls in dance. And it's really nice to think that that industry is being supported as well. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Emma. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by my signature group coaching program, Studio Biz Success, an amazing and accessible online educational platform for performing arts studio owners designed to help you grow your business with confidence and get your results. Check it out at josephinelancuba.com along with other great industry resources to help you leap into the studio biz you deserve. If you love this episode, be sure to share it with your friends. You can tag me on social media at Josephine Lancuba and give it a review. Your support helps the show to grow so I can continue to provide you with useful, informative content. I'm Josephine Lancuba, your biggest cheerleader. Thanks for listening and shine bright.